Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hey everyone, welcome to the future of marketing and esports. I am your host, Rebecca Langua, and today's guest on my show is Danny Martin, the founder of Exposure. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Every day to provide learning lessons is a beautiful day. I, I love that you're on my show. I one of my very first guest spots on a, on a podcast was on your show. Yes. Uh, years ago, maybe what two? Maybe two. Yeah, right. Years when ago? exposure. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Tell my guests a bit about about exposure. Where did the inspiration come from, and and what are you guys doing over there? Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for just having this opportunity, Rebecca. It means a, it means a lot. In regards to that of exposure, exposure stemmed from COVID. You know about. Maybe like five years prior to COVID, I was competing and hosting tournaments on campus and in, in around about 2011 and really understood the value of providing opportunities to tournament organizers to build out tournaments for their local communities, which forced me to actively go into schools and uh, recruit you know, individuals out of high schools and colleges in regards to individuals who had portfolios like you know, uh, graphic designing or knew how to do production, such like such things like that. And it was ultimately for the competition. And then COVID hit. And then we recognized that, you know, educators really wanted to figure out new ways to engage with their actual students, but also keep the educational elements as well alongside of the competition. So, you know, it was a, a critical decision for us from a revenue perspective, because we were like, we don't, we have a facility, we can't do anything out of the facility. Uh, so now we have to create content and we needed to build a technological platform to store that content. And once we did all of that within that six, six weeks, six to eight, six to 10 weeks time span, um, we had an educational institution say, hey, you know, I have budget. And right now it, that budget usually, usually go towards uh, STEM projects with that of hospitals or agricultural farms where we take the students and everybody can't do anything because they're usually physical and no one has an actual virtual offering. And at that moment, I was just like, booyah, right? This is the purpose of us making a transition and providing a service for you know a local institution that really wanted to leverage their capital to add value to the students. And that's when we knew that we should start changing our actual branding, which we went from Geek Leads to that of Exposure, And we brought in our chief marketing officer, Aaron Bailey, and she really put the pedal to the metal and started to change our logos, our content. We had to create all new content uh, to change our name from that of a G symbol to that of a uh, an educational cap, like a graduation, to really adhere to the schools to speak that we are esports, but we also education as well. So we did a full uh, rebus brand design for our organization, and then from there, we really understood the value of teaching individuals all aspects of esports and gaming, uh, not just the competition, but the management, the market the technology, the competition, and the production side of esports. And here's where we're at now. 
I love that. You think a lot about gamers, right? Like these hardcore kids who are really focused on gaming and and maybe their aspiration isn't being a pro gamer or a pro streamer, but they have just this innate love of gaming. And the statistics really show that those types of individuals are more likely to lean into STEM and STEAM-based education in in not only high school, but leading into college and, and getting degrees in computing. Your organization has really bridged the gap on that STEM-based education to careers in the esports and gaming industry as a whole. How have you been able to build out the relationships with the future employers for the types of jobs that you guys are training for in that space? Yeah. So I remember back in, this is a really great question, Rebecca. I remember back when this was around 2012, when I would travel to uh, esports tournaments all around. And uh, for me, I'm a little awkward person. So when I go to you know California or Evo, I would take my camera and I would leverage that as an opportunity to take pictures and just not be that that weird guy that's just tuning into this event. And so I look at it the same facet uh, to make friends. I look at it in the same instance of the actual clients that we work with. Um, as an educational entity, what we've done was we leverage production. And when we do production events with clients, we get we then get to say, hey, you know, client, you want to do an event, whether it's virtual or or or, or physical, and it it takes event coordination and it takes the content, it takes the uh, the ability to add animations and overlays into that actual production. Let's say the client is uh, Crocs or a client is Home Depot. Well, we then get to say, wow, you know, you trusted us to do this production, but guess who did the production? It's the actual students that are part of our program. And that helps us be able to create another pipeline for the actual client outside of this, just them paying for our services on production. So we then make that connection when it comes down to a student coming through our programs with the perspective of saying, hey, coming through our programs, you now have access to these clients that we work with. And ultimately, that's a great opportunity as we see, even with like Team Envy, you know, Envy now has the capabilities of doing awesome events at Esports Stadium in Arlington. Well, they need individuals to actively help facilitate those events. They need ticketers. They need individuals at the desk. They need individuals that are inside of the arena. You know, those are individuals that they can contract. And well, if individuals come through our actual programs and they get hands-on knowledge and skill sets through our programs, uh, then that makes them that much more advantageous to get hired by organizations. And with us partnering with, you know, ISDs, independent schools, districts, colleges, universities that are offering esports scholarships to that of armed services, you know, army and military. In, in, in the military, um, as well as non-endemic and endemic entities, we every partner that we bring on is just another way for us to add value to the students that are coming through our program. So that's how we made the connection. It started with doing production and events and uh, then leveraging our, our services as a great pipeline for that of the students. Yeah, and you guys have a pretty robust product portfolio strategy. I would say in terms of products and services, you've really uncovered a lot of white space within the industry. And one example from when I was talking with your team the last time that I was in Dallas with the GameHers, and we did kind of like a little networking event, is the fact that for individuals that are maybe very notable, right? So 
entertainers, celebrities, pro athletes that are really interested in getting into gaming through becoming streamers. You guys actually have the thought leadership and expertise to go to them personally as a service and help them set up their their stream, which reminds me of like a very personalized like geek squad approach. Can you talk about that? Because I really feel like a lot of my listeners are those types of athletes or former athletes that are really interested and and I would say, you know, esports curious. Tell me a little bit about that offering because I think it's super intriguing. Yeah. So, you know, another story, I'm a stories person, like, and, you know, just, I just lived through it. And, you know, during the pandemic, we had a significant public figure in the Dallas, Texas. His name um, is, he goes by Bebe. He's on K104. And um, during the time, you know, every artist and, you know, musician, athlete, they couldn't really do anything but be at home uh, during a pandemic. And so uh, Bebe, you know, Stewart, he actually lived close to our arena and he would bring his children there. And, and it was the first time I was like, man, baby, you are you typically are in, you know, every country. He was just in Dubai last week. You know, he works with all of the artists and rappers uh, when they come into the town. And so he was just like, you know, daddy, could you build me a um, a setup in my office? You know, because I'm not at home. I don't, I'm not going to the radio. And so, you know, we had our staff, Thomas and uh, and um, and uh, Jalen and then also that of Zamari, you know, go to his house and start to build out, you know, his PC setup, uh, his audio and build out his overlays for him, do the animations, do the actual programming of uh, the OBS. And he was just ecstatic. And I ultimately knew, like, if we built this for him, you know, he's he knows all of these artists and athletes, you know, he's pretty famous. So he's just going to make it, you know, he's gonna make the introductions easy. And then, you know, he did it. And the first one was Yellow Beezy. And I was just like, well, I grew up with Yellow Beezy. So I'm like, you know, this is a this is an artist that we can actually do this for. And then I, you know, I talked to you and we, before we had start doing it, I was just like, wow, she has this idea. And this is what we're seeing right now. Granted, we didn't turn it into a business or anything like that, but it was something that we experienced. And um, now you see, you know, like Thomas on our team, you know, he's done it right now. He's doing it right now for Adrian Colbert which is a pretty prominent NFL player. And so the opportunity is there because streaming and content creating is, is everything right now. I think it's super scalable, honestly, like, and, and I've even said there's, there are very large retailers that could be in the space building this out like a Best Buy, like a Target, right? That they just, they haven't pulled the trigger on it. It's almost like the the evergreen ship in the Suez Canal, like (laughs) those big, huge entities, that big ass boat, like they can't turn that around in enough time. And I I love that. First of all, you guys have seen the, the vision to do that, but I really, truly believe that you could make that a scalable, almost like a franchisee yes. option throughout throughout the U.S., um, which lends me to just like ask the question, Exposure. I know you guys built out this kick-ass facility in Dallas, and, and I wish I could have uh, been there at, at that kickoff because I heard amazing stories about, awesome. about your guys' launch party. Just super cool. How do you see Exposure growing beyond that 
that Dallas market? Yeah. So, you know, for us, the Dallas market is a huge market for us uh, in the educational space. Uh, Dallas ISD has been like our target at having over 166,000 students um, at the school with 44,000 in the CTE departments alone. That can showcase an actual model for us that we can replicate to different geographic locations across the country. And, but it's not going to happen in an instant. It's just going to take some time. You know, we're projecting maybe around about two years to really go in and actually showcase a full model from the competition to the educational side. Uh, but our actual facility was the the prime reason for us. You know, uh, of us getting that introduction to Dallas ISD, and it, it stemmed from you know our perspective of like. Well, we have to build a facility that actually mimics what an actual educator, STEM coordinator will look at when it comes down to the career pathways. And when the students go through our programs, they have to be able to see all the different variations of opportunities, career opportunities that they can engage with. And so, you know, our first when we first opened up the facility, that's when the Dallas ISD uh, CTE director came by and he, she, and he was like, I've seen this space and I just really wanted to come in. And he was blown away. And at that point, he was introduced to esports, but not as much introduced to esports, you know, and and esports and gaming, you got to touch it and feel it. You got to see it and understand like, well, OK, this is why individuals come to these events and there's thousands of individuals uh, here or here's this is why someone uh, likes to play on a gaming stage or this is why someone likes to create content around the esports and gaming industry. And so we built this facility as a uh, essentially a field trip experience where we yeah. can have professional development work sessions where we brought in, you know, around about 40 DISD CTE coordinators, instructors, and, and directors, where we've talked to them about the, the past, the present, and the future of esports while they get to walk through and see our staff, our events coordination team, our marketing team, our education team, our production team, our, you know, our, our dev team all at work, and then leading up into the arena where we can talk to them about how they can incorporate these same models into their school at that that point now they look at us and say hey we need to be a friend to you guys uh, to help us execute this within the schools and so from our perspective as we're doing that it allows us to be able to showcase a valid model that we can go out to you know Houston ISD or any other large ISD in the actual country and then say hey look what we've done with Dallas ISD so yeah. we see that there's a huge opportunity to and you leverage the model that we've done with Dallas ISD while at the same time replicating our facility in different geographic locations, because what we see is there has to be a handholding to the schools as they're starting to launch esports programs and competition. And we want eSposure to be that platform for them. I mean, it really comes down to documentation, building out processes, protocols, systems, mm -hmm. right? And like, how can you create that formula that's going to be repeatable in other market areas? And like, you know, I would say Dallas is like ground zero yeah. and it's like infectious. Like how can it spread organically yes. from there? And then my question would be as an investment advisor, how can you beat the competition or perceived competition? Because I don't really feel like there's a lot of... I, I'm I'm pretty plugged into the space. Yeah. There's really not a lot of people that are, there's maybe ideas of competitors that mm -hmm. have the same vision or are copying your vision of what yeah. you see being done. You know, how can you beat the 
the potential outspenders. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Like, is that how you see it? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, you know, there's a lot of components that go into, you know, competition and there are entities and individuals out there. I look at exposure as a, a holistic uh, platform, meaning, you know, we have an ed tech platform that we've created that's proprietary. We have the use of a facility. We have subject matter experts in both the actual education space as well as the esports space. And so from our perspective, just putting that all together, it takes time. You know, it takes it takes yeah. time to do all of that. And everyone just can't pop up tomorrow and say, hey, we're going to do it. You really have to put some some effort and some energy inside of it. And it, it takes investment and it takes time, which is very critical. And so that's how we look at ourselves is, you know, our biggest thing that we, the biggest competitor that we can have is someone really just coming in and having all of those skill sets that we've stated, but having more capital to, to yeah. grow faster, right? So now it becomes an investment game on who can actually have the rocket fuel to take them to actually meet the overall goal. And that's what we're focusing on is like, how do we actually you know, gain that rocket fuel with a perspective of actually sustaining our valuation and then having a healthy partner as well to help us reach new heights. You know, so from our perspective and your investment lens, you know, we we understand that we're out, we are a little bit ahead of the curve, but without the proper resources, then entity that's working, time can actually help them, you know, come out and and really, you know, compete. But ultimately, they can beat us from that perspective. And so, yeah. you know, we're looking for that. We got the expertise. We now we're looking for that rocket fuel that can really help us expand. Do you feel extra pressure as a black founder? <laughs> Heck yeah, I feel I feel extra pre- pressure of. You know, a, a black founder, but most importantly, you know, a under resource founder. Right. At the same sense, the actual pressure, it, 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 it leaves when I recognize that without any help, you know, outside investment help that you can create a product and you can run a company without an investment. Right. I know I can run this every single day. It's going to be crazy and hard as it is now but my passion keeps me in it you know it keeps me yeah. engaged and so the pressure i have at that point i have the same pressures as if any bootstrapping business entrepreneur but i do feel like being an african american uh, uh founder it's by way of the lack of resources that i had growing up right you know like i see companies that are in the same pipeline that just may have had you know, more experience in, you know, crunching numbers or working with investment companies or, you know, just had more help. And, you know, growing up, you know, that that just wasn't as, as prevalent. So yeah. I've had to make a lot of mistakes just because I didn't have anyone saying, don't go do that, which ultimately those mistakes actually became really good because, it made me actually persevere harder. It may, if I wreck a mistake, I have to be able to say, all right, Danny, you made a mistake. Hurry up and get over it. You can't sit down and just be crying about it all day uh, because you got something that you're trying to accomplish. And if you sit down and cry, then someone else is easily going to be able to com- outcompete you. Uh, yeah. So I feel the pressure, uh, but I also recognize that, you know, with, with less resources comes innovation. And I've had to, I've been forced to be innovative in order to sustain. Love. Yeah, that's really insightful. I know, like, from my personal experience being a woman, right? I feel like a lot of entities, whether it's on the investment side or the brand side or the org side, 
assumes I'm going to be able to be like the voice of what they <laughs> should do for like DI or women in gaming or whatever. But like, I'm trying to just be like the best yeah. at, as a whole within the industry. But like you, I didn't, I mean, I, I grew up in like a prefabricated little house in a really rural area. So kind of like a trailer home in the middle of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> right? Didn't really have a built-in network. My my dad was a laborer. My mom worked at a grocery store and in a bakery and a restaurant. Like I just was like very, very working class. I, I had to leverage, I always called it the OPP, other people's yes. parents, right? Like I'm going to leverage my OPP by other yes. people's in order to like build my network in order to advance and, and ask, right? Yeah. Ask and you shall receive. And you might have to ask 10 times before somebody is going to like point you in the right direction. Yes. Um, from an investment strategy, I will tell you like one of the things that I vet out now being an investment advisor in esports technology is if I'm looking at an investment deck and it's all white men on yes. the founding board. And there's sometimes there's no advisory board presented in a deck. Oh. Sometimes there's an advisory board. If, if there is not a very balanced yeah. representation of people of color and women, I will say no. And I'm, yeah. I've gotten over the past, I would say just probably over the past year, way more comfortable saying no yes. to being a part of of corporations and companies that they might have very capable people that are building out the ideas to yep. to bring them to life within this space but a lot of times it is people who didn't come from gaming but are seeing an opportunity in gaming yeah. and and there's just like there's still such a lack of balance of diversity in the space. And I think that what I've seen with what you're building out, especially as a founder, is a space in which that is just happening innately and organically. Yes. And the the not only the relationships that you're building with brands like community and teams like Envy, which are very much focused on diversity, inclusion, and belonging, but also in terms of like the staff and the people that you have elevated within your staff, yes. it just feels like a very balanced point of view. Can you share a little bit about like how that tone of voice really translates to the students that you guys serve. Yes, that's that's a that's amazing. And I've I have been really lucky to be, you know, I have a powerful and a strong mother um, who's, you know, been in the trenches in tech for considerable years without really getting the recognition in, in large, you know, tech companies like IBM and Oracle and such. And, you know, I didn't really get a chance to see her a lot when I was young. Uh, she was always traveling and such. And I it was it was when I first said I was going to go into esports when in my earlier in my earlier time, you know, she gave me the encouragement to go. She stated it's going to be hard. And she stated that she really couldn't give too much advice because she's never been a part of a startup. Right. And, you know, I said, well, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, and throughout the 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 the, the traction in the years she came to me and she was like, Hey, you know, you've actually made this 
pretty intriguing and I've seen your growth and I see some things that you need help on as you chart start to scale your company. Is it okay if I come, you know, like, and I'm just like, what? Like you're, you're going to what? <laughs> you know, that, it's, it's exciting. You know, it's like, yeah. it seems like my, I've been to work with my mother, you know, that's which, is, which is Danny. That's so cool. That's yeah. so, so cool that you have that support. Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty interesting, but she's all she's still tough on me, you know, like she's very tough. And her her uh, just by being around her, she's let me know that inclusivity matters, right? And so, you know, when we look at individuals in this space, I, I look at them, you know, for their talent more than anything. When you're a startup, you you really look at you know, who can get the job done, right? And, you know, color and all don't really come to the, you know, it does, you really don't think about it when you got to get the job done and you want to compete. And I've been fortunate to know that this company has started on the value uh, more so of the return on investment initially. And I knew that if I can actually go into a geographic location that wouldn't dare pop up an esports facility and actively showcase to students that they're a third option and they now have an opportunity to go pro in something else, I knew how I felt when I knew I only had one option going to the NBA. And I knew how hard I worked at trying to get to the NBA. And I know how much individuals who are younger in these geographic locations, they want to out, they want to be successful and they will work their butts off to be successful. And I knew that if I gave them that opportunity to be here, they'll showcase, it wouldn't be just a, a fun thing for individuals coming into this facility. It's like, if I showcase my skill sets, I can now go make money and I can, you know, pay for my mom a house or mm-hmm. I can get my, you know, sister or something, something so they don't have to struggle no more. The, the, the realities are much realer here. And I knew that if we can showcase someone actually coming from our programs and scaling into the industry. That's our value. And then ultimately companies will want to work with us. And that keeps us diverse uh, when it comes down to it, because, you know, I, I really want to be able to showcase that there's talent amongst everyone. And when you think of exposure, which is, is, is crazy that this, this happened, our executive team, is uh, majority women. I'm the only man <laughs> of our executive team. You know, our chief marketing officer, our chief operating officer, our CTO, like all women, you know, and, you know, our, our underneath our executive team is majority men, you know, so it's just like, it's uh, and it's a diverse uh, uh, team of men uh, that's there. So I look at our team all the time and I just, I, I'm just in awe that it is possible when the world told you that it's not possible. When the organization said we can't find talent, I look at it every day at, at our team and I'm like, no, you just didn't look hard enough. Right, right. Yeah, that's one thing I love about also working with the team at Version One and Rocker is like you look at the top three C-suite executives in that space, and it's it's Annie Scott Riley as CMO. It's Brett Diamond as COO, and it's Ashley Midnight Glassell leading all of content. It's two women and a male at the top, top of that org. And and that was just like organically built out. Like it's innately who they are. And that's why, like for me, I feel like I work with that org and it just feels so effortless. It's not a pull. Like it's like, and that's how exposure is. It's just like. It is people that are building the best team possible and doing really great work. You mentioned a little bit about, about your partners. How do brand partners come to life with exposure? Yes, for sure. So, I mean, I credit it, you know, so much to Aaron Bailey, our chief marketing officer. A lot of the times before, you know, we brought in a chief marketing officer, 
I would be forced to kind of do all the engagements and the meetings and the, you know, the KPIs and following everything to add value to that uh, particular uh, brand partner. And I would get stretched in just quite honestly. And I wouldn't, I wasn't able to give the best representation to that brand when they wanted to work with us. And then, you know, we brought in uh, Aaron and she was just like, hey, you know, like I want to come and help, you know, this industry. I'm, I'm curious on it. I come from a different uh, industry, but if you give me a chance, I'm, let me show you, you know, what I can do. And then the first opportunity was Wendy reached out to us from HyperX and she was just like, hey, we want to work and we want to really learn the educational at, uh, educational scene. And she worked directly with Aaron and, and they have been, you know, they meet every week. You know, they support, Wendy supports us on so many initiatives that we have uh, when it comes down to equipment and funding and all kinds of things. You know, so it's really, really interesting to be able to see their communication. And I wouldn't have been able to sustain. <laughs> I wouldn't have been, Wendy would have looked yeah. at me like, hey, man, we need to, we need to get some more information here, you know, yeah. like. Uh, and she has literally been able to, you know, build a great relationship with the partners that we bring in. And I really lean on her when it comes down to as she's learning about the industry, she's also able to give accounts of working with brands in her existing industry, which that becomes go- that goes hand in hand, no yeah. matter what industry you're in. So I've literally learned a lot um, from our team, as specifically Aaron, in regards to working with brand partners, because I, there's no way I would have been able to do it just by myself. Right. No. And that is really the key is like identifying. It's not necessarily a weakness as, as much. Cause I, I think, I think you're great when it comes to like being in front of potential brands, like yeah. you can articulate that, but it's just about capacity, right? Yes. Like there's this saying, like, you know, don't spread your jam too thin or no one's <laughs> yes. going to know how good you taste. Yes. And that's really it. Like if you are trying to be a part of every conversation and every single deal and every granular detail, it's just like not humanly possible. And so one of the key things I think to success in any industry is finding those people who, first of all, believe in what you believe, can articulate your vision in a powerful, compelling way, the Simon Sinek why, right? And then you know, you don't have to babysit them. You can just let them go and be your advocate and help you build success while you focus on big picture. Because, I mean, I've known you for a bit and you're definitely a a big picture guy. You're a visionary. So I, I, I love, I've loved to see over the past few years since we first um, met and and we're connected to see how you've been able to scale. Yes, and I I think you guys have big big things ahead of you as well. Can you share a little bit about whatever you're comfortable with sharing? Yeah. I guess a broader audience about that larger larger vision and how you see exposure, you know, really making an impact on students throughout throughout the U.S. Yes. So one of the big focal points right now for us is that we have a proprietary technology platform, which is essentially called a learning management system, but we like to call it a learning experiential platform uh, because unlike existing learning management systems, you take a course, you take an assessment and you do um, and you get a certificate. 
Um, well, the industry is a little bit different. And this industry, as is an infancy, you get valued by way of how much uh, you've done in your portfolio, how much actual things you've done in the industry because it's at its infancy. And so what we really wanted to do is build our platform to where the students can also learn, take courses, assessments, get certificates, but they also can apply their learning components in the form of creating their own micro websites within our actual platform or posting onto a, a similar version to Facebook or, or Instagram to mimic that of a marketing specialist or to even collaborate in a, in a form of like Discord, but internal to our platform. It basically gives those students the opportunity to apply what they've learned. So therefore they can take their portfolio and send it out to prospective clients and, and, and partners that they would like to work with. Uh, but one of the most things that we've seen is that now with the functionality that we built, where the students are utilizing it like that now, we also can actually build our technology platform into the metaverse. So from our perspective, an actual school that you know wants that experience in a different geographic location that wants to feel what it's like to be in an exposure facility, then they can have that, that uh, graphical representation where they can create an avatar and actually move around and learn and in the same type of mode and feel as that of what we're experiencing inside of a facility. And so from our perspective, that gives us more touch points to that of the students that are not as lucky to be at the exposure Education Center in Duncanville, Texas. And you know, from our perspective, that's the best way for us to actually provide those portfolio building experiences to the students outside of just taking a course and an assessment and getting a certificate. And so we just see that students really want a little bit more immersive experiential opportunities in a gamified learning environment. And we really have to mimic what it's like for a natural game and turn that into education. And so if we can actually, you know, compound, like if we can accomplish that at the best degree, then you ultimately setting up the students for success on a worldwide basis. Is that like a PC experience? Is it an Oculus experience? What, like, what is that experience like for the student then engaging in those metaverse-esque environments? Yes, for sure. It's a summary of all three of them. You know, Um, one of the elements for us is that, you know, we really want the AR, VR experience inside of our facility for the students to walk through just as much as when they're not walking through our facility, they can have that same experience. And ultimately, when it comes down to leveraging our actual facility, I mean, our technological platform to provide uh, that of a a, a game like representation is is the is the main focal is the main focal point for us. So it's a it's a it's a series of things that you know we would like the students to be able to engage with to replicate that metaverse like environment. So you guys have layers. I would say one of them would be schools, school districts. Right? You talk a lot about IDS. Dallas, which is the independent school district of Dallas and and expanding into Houston and other key market areas. So that's definitely one channel. Brands like HyperX and and other endemic esports partners within the industry that really want their brand to be at the forefront of the clientele that you guys serve. Are there other verticals that are really key to you? And the reason why I ask is, for my listeners that are in these markets to be able to kind of turn that light bulb on and and say, I need to have a conversation with Danny Martin, right? Like in addition to those two things that I know we've completely unpacked, what, what else is, is out there in terms of categories or verticals that you think are really paramount to, to move you into that next step? 
Yeah, I believe it's working with the publishers. You know, your riots, your your blizzards, your Activisions, your you know, all the publishers have an incredible value that they can provide. Not only on the competition side, but on the education side, just as much. If you see Microsoft, Roblox, Minecraft, all of these individuals that are leveraging game-like uh, environments to actually educate students. You know, us making those partnerships with those particular entities and the educational realm is is critical. Like what we've experienced is like inside of our facility, we've had, you know, uh, we've had an all woman event where they played, uh, we had a tournament in the actual arena around Roblox, right? And that was pretty cool because the actual young ladies had the capabilities of, you know, building out models in a competitive format uh, to ultimately showcase the winner. And for eSposure, that's what we're focusing on. It's like, we want our students to come through our programs to actively, you know, simulate running their own esports organizations, therefore leveraging the functionality that we have. So therefore they can say, hey, look, I am capable of creating the next phase clan or creating the next uh, 100 Thieves or Minnesota Rockers. And then showcasing that value to the publisher so therefore they can give more resources and more like wow it's competition on the behind the scenes just as much as it is on the actual plan the game and so from our perspective we want to showcase to the actual publishers that hey this is this is another style of competition that is similar to the way deca is built you know yeah, and and yeah. from our perspective we really want to showcase that here at eSposure that you know you just don't have to be the best gamer you can actively be just as competitive um mm-hmm. with creating your you know the best graphic design flyers or you know who has the best marketing strategy and campaign you know we want to do competitions around that uh, to wow. really add value to everyone I love that I love that and when you mentioned deca it it just reminds me of like you know one of the things that are really important for for parents and educators to understand is the business of esports and gaming is like a deca or a chess club or a math league right like there's so many complex skills and strategies that go into being a very successful gamer that uh cannot be ignored and should not be ignored it's it's just so many stereotypes need to be broken in this space and i think you guys have just done a really beautiful job of illustrating the importance and and tying it back to really tangible data of how it is really creating well-rounded and well-versed young people that translates into the workforce that is unparalleled for educators, brands, publishers, pro orgs that really want to lean in and help evolve and uh, grow the mission of eSposure, how can they reach you and how can they find out more? Yes, for sure. So the the best opportunity to get more details is eSposure.gg. If you want to speak to me directly, the best way is to either email me at dmartin at eSposure.gg or see some of the activity via that of LinkedIn. There's a lot of really intelligent individuals within this space that are helpful, that would like to provide information just as myself. So easily log on to LinkedIn and then add me as a you know a friend and I can definitely showcase to you or guide you uh, to the 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 proper you know change of communication with the individuals within this space that I deem as good friends. Love it. 
Thank you so much, Danny. I, I mean, I probably could talk to you for another <laughs> hour. I have other things that I want to like ask you, but I kind of don't want to like put you on the spot on my podcast, but we should have a follow-up call. Cause I'm like kind of ideating some things in my head that I'm like, Ooh, we should yes. see if this would be a good like Avenue to go down. Yes. Um, but thank you so much for no sharing problem. your insight. It's been really fun to watch the growth over the past couple of years of exposure. And just to like dive in deeper of you as a friend, totally have just love and respect for everything that you're doing. That's and awesome. it's been really fun to be along in this journey with you. Yes. Uh, so thanks for coming on the, on the show. And I look forward to having some more conversations uh, sure. very soon with you as well. For sure. We have a long journey ahead. This is, yeah. this is still the first inning. We still got a long way to go to impact. Well, thank you. I always love having a conversation and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Peace, peace. Peace, peace, babes. GGs. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.